Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. So I was laying there going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Because Anthony actually sent me the the notes for his sermon. And uh, his sermon was so good that I was like, I I don't want to. It'd be like, imagine like there's a B.B. King concert. And he's out there and he's playing. And he's like, you know what, I I got something to do. Mark, why don't you come out and just kind of finish this out? Um, And it would just be very disappointing. (laughs) So I encourage you, though, to go and to listen to that. It's on, um, there's two versions of it online at newdaycommunity.org. The one, he preached it at uh, Vine a couple weeks ago, and he preached it in uh, Nichols Road last week. So go and listen to that. It is phenomenal. Um, So, but today, uh, we're going to talk about my favorite Christmas Bible verse. That's what we've got today. My favorite Bible verse about Christmas is found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. And we're just going to read that together here. Um, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I, I just love that. I love that. And it's maybe not the most traditional uh, Christmas Bible verse, but there in verse 4 where it says, But when the set time had fully come. Right? That, to me, that is, is so weighty and so significant, right? God was waiting for just the right time to send Jesus. And when Amber and I got married, um, we, were, uh, we were both working at Little Caesars, bringing down some big bucks. <laughs> we're each bringing home about 18 Gs a year. And, uh, and we were planning uh, to wait, I don't know, five or six years before having kids. We're like, That'll be, that's a good plan. You know, we can kind of you know, get settled. We can get our house ready. We can learn how to, how to be married and, and what that looks like. And we just moved into this. We moved from married housing at Western Michigan University into uh, a nice apartment, Village Green Apartments, right next to the, uh, the Crossroads Mall. It was real nice. And, uh, and we, we loved it there. And and we found out it was about six, seven months into uh, our marriage, like, oh, she's pregnant. And we we're just like, oh, crap. What are we going to do? It's like we were feeling good. We just moved from married housing into this nicer apartment. We're making the big box here at Little Caesars. Everything is going well. And now we have to figure out how do we deal with marriage and we have a little person on the way, right? And we could barely handle being married let alone the idea of trying to, to take care of somebody else, right? And so, like, there's just millions of reasons why we're, ta- we're like, we're not ready for this. Like, we, you know, we don't know what we're doing. We don't like kids that much, all this stuff. You know, we don't have enough money. And, and I remember, like, we just moved into this apartment. We had this lease. And, and my mom, who is, uh, she, she won't listen to this recording, not the greatest of budgeters, right? She's not, like... She's not a brilliant uh, financial strategist. So we invited her over and said, okay, 
Uh, we're both making about $18,000 a year here, and we're about to lose half of that. What do you think we should do? And she was just, she, I just remember sitting at the table, and she's just sitting looking at our budget, just shaking her head. She's like, well, you can't stay here. <laughs> and so we moved in with her <laughs> for years. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. So and I, and I remember that weekend, and I, we, I, we had just moved into this apartment, and I was going away for this spiritual retreat with Scott Jones, who's the pastor of New Day, South Carolina, and, with, and some other guys. And, and I come home from work, I get ready, I'm about to leave, and Amber's like, oh, pregnant. And I was just like, oh, man. And so that dominated my spiritual retreat weekend, just being like, oh, God. What, what am I going to do that? And I was confident that we were not ready for this situation. But it, God is gracious. Apparently God uh, knew better. So Emma was born in 2000, and we did great. I mean, and, and she's, she seems like she's doing well. It's crazy. Now she is, looks like she's going to move away in the, in the end of the summer. Oh, she's going to go to school. It's very challenging, but she's a great girl. And so God was like, you got this, you know, and it was like, if we would have waited, you know, and tried to get everything in line, right? Oh, we're going to make sure that we have all our ducks in a row before we have kids. I, I'm pretty sure we would still be working on those ducks, right? We're never <laughs> quite ready. Um, but other times, you know, we think that we're ready for something, uh, but we uh, just aren't. Right? I remember, and maybe I've told this story before, in 2000, Emma was about six months old at this point. I'm like, Amber, I got this great idea. Let's move to New York and go to Bible college. This is great. And she's like, Amber's the sweetest. She's like, mm, all right, whatever. And uh, so we go, and I'm like, and she actually wasn't quite on board with the, with the idea. And I was like, let's just go. Oh, this is a theme in my life. All right, so I was like, let's just go and check it out, right? And we're just going to drive over there. So we have this six-month-old baby, and we drive out to Elam Bible Institute, which is in upstate New York, and we go to some classes, and we visit the campus, and it's really, really fun. I'm super excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a pastor. It's going to be great. And, uh, and we were staying in the, they put us up in, the, in these dorms, and there's this final night, I think it was a Saturday night, uh, they're having this worship service, but Emma was super cranky, and so Amber's like, I'm just going to take her back to the room. You can just, you know, spend the evening at the, at the worship service, and then we'll take off in the morning. And it was a great worship service. I was having a great time. I was super excited. And towards the end of it, they had this ministry time, and, you know, the music gets kind of soft, and it was, you know, and people are just kind of laying around on the floor, because that's what, that's what we do, right? And... And so I was like, I'm just going to go and, and soak, basically. I don't know if I knew the terminology. I'm just going to go lay here and just see what God wants to do. And, uh, and I was just asking him, you know, God, just thank you for this opportunity. I'm so excited. And one of the two most clear I have ever heard God, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was, it was so on the cusp of being an audible voice of God saying, you cannot do this. And I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean? What? No, like, I was, and, I, and so I'm like kind of laying out my case, right? I'm like, look, yeah, like I'm, doing, I'm working at Little Caesars. You know, this is what I want to do. You know, and, and it was, but it was super clear, no, you're not going to go there. And I was just crushed. I was like, I'd put all my stock in this, right? Like, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is, I'm going to be something. And it was like, nope, you're going back to Little Caesars. And you're going to go back and serve Cameron. All right, let's do it, you know. And so we went back, and 
And I thought that God was saying, no, you're not going to be a pastor. It's, that's not, it's not who you are. It's not what I want you to do. And it was hard. It was a very challenging season. But what, obviously now we can see that the, ultimately what God, what, he wasn't saying no. He was just saying, you're not ready. Right? And he knew. He has this perfect timing. And as I look back, and if I would have gotten into some sort of a ministry or leadership position when I was, yeah, how, however old I was and 20-something, 22, 23 years old, you know, I, I don't know. I had a lot of uh, growing and maturing to do. And so God knew what he was doing, and he uh, knew that, that this just wasn't the time. But he put that passion inside of me, right? And so sometimes, like we saw, you know, with having Emma before we uh, were ready, sometimes God's timing comes before we're ready. And like with the story of Elam, Bible Institute, when we went there, sometimes God's timing is after we're ready. But we can trust, especially as we look at this verse and as we look at the story of Jesus, that God knows better, that God has perfect timing. And one of my favorite uh, parts of the, the history of, of Israel is what's called the, the intertestamental period, right? The, that 400 years uh, between the, the close of the Old Testament, um, I guess that's Malachi, the, the last book of the Old Testament, until uh, the arrival of Jesus that we see, you know, in, in Matthew and the other Gospels. Right? I love this intertestamental period, and sometimes they call it the 400 years of silence, because God, he wasn't talking, you know, there, were the, there was no prophets, you know, Israel was just kind of struggling along here, and they were in this place of waiting and longing for this long-promised Messiah, uh, and they felt like they were ready, right? They were like, come on, God. You know, we are ready. We are sick of being oppressed by these rulers and, you know, being, you know, not having our independence. Don't you remember, we're supposed to be the people that are blessing the nations, right? We are supposed to be the top dogs around here. Right? They, they knew that they were the, the chosen people. They had the promises. They had the covenants. They were waiting. Well, you promised. You know, somebody's going to sit on David's throne forever. What is going on here? Right? And then we see in this time period the, the rise of people like the Pharisees. And this was a sect of Judaism. And they were really doing their best to follow all of the, the rules and the commandments and the oral law, everything. They're like, man, if we get all of our stuff together, right, then God's going to be super impressed and he's going to send the Messiah. Boom, we are, it's going to be great. And so they are waiting, right, and they are waiting for 400 years. They're waiting in God who, uh, you know, they saw throughout their history bring them out of Egypt and get into the promised land and, and protect them from the Philistines and the other the Assyrians and all these people, right? And then they would mess up and they would get crushed and they would go, oh God, and then God would come and save them. And they saw God move for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. And here they are, like, they're back in Israel. They're under oppression. They're trying to get things going again, right? And they're like, come on, God, this, you've got to come. You've got to show up. We need you. And for 400 years, we see, you know, this very tumultuous time in Israel as there's, um, 
Uh, they're, they're controlled by Babylon, and then Persia comes in. Um, who comes in after that? Persia, Greece, and Alexander the Great, and then ultimately Rome comes in, and everybody's fighting over this land, and there's only a little baby point in time where Israel has any semblance of independence in there, and they're crying out, God, have you forgotten us? God, have you, you not remember what's going on? Have we gone too far for you to, to redeem us this time? And they're crying out, they're like, what is going on? But we see in the midst of this, the, the Jewish people, they, were, they would not have understood, right? Why isn't God just coming through? Just bring a Messiah. Bring your armies. We'll just crush these guys and we'll be a blessing to everyone. You see how good we are at following rules? We'll really do it good this time, right? And, but God was waiting for the right time. And in this 400 years, especially in the, the time of Rome, once Rome took charge, um, that God uh, was getting things ready. And in my undergrad, I, I wrote a, a paper about the intertestamental period and, and about how it, um, how it led to the, the arrival of Jesus and the spread of the gospel. And the three most significant things I saw that happened because of Rome, because of the Roman occupation and the, the power of the Roman Empire was three things. We see that they build these Roman roads, right? And they thousands of miles of nice roads and so people can travel all over the known world in safety and they can travel quickly. They didn't build them for spreading the gospel, right? They built them so that armies and soldiers could get from one place to another to crush rebellions. But these roads existed and there are still some of these roads in existence over there uh, right now. And so, the, so these Roman roads are getting built and none of the Jewish people were sitting there like, God, why aren't you coming yet? Oh, well, you got this building, this road project. All right, we're just going to wait. Yeah, good job, God. Good job on the roads, right? Like, they're just like, come on, God. How long are you going to leave us here? Um, and the other thing that happens during the occupation of, of Rome in the Roman Empire is this common language of Koine Greek, right? Um, in, in the Roman Empire, Latin was kind of the, the language of, you know, what do you call those, the, the socialites and the, the, the scholars and the politicians and all those big shots. Um, and there was all these little, people had local languages, you know, in the different regions. But this Koine Greek, which came from Alexander the Great, who uh, Rome crushed. But because of Alexander the Great, because of what Greece did, everybody speaks this Greek language. And so now people who are trading because of these great roads and they can go all over the place, they can talk to the people pretty easily that they run into. Great, now there's this common language and there's these, Ro these Roman roads, everything is going, but the Jews still weren't like, oh God, why aren't you coming? Oh, well, I think it's because of this language situation. Wouldn't it be hard to tell about the Messiah if we you know, had to translate everything? No, they didn't care about the language. They were just confused and going, God, why haven't you come yet? What is going on? And the third significant thing that we see in this time of the Roman Empire is what's called the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace, that um, they, the, the Roman soldiers and uh, whoever, they crushed any, like, the, the bandits and, and rebels and, and thieves that would hang out on roads, right? Like, Rome became one of the safest places to travel because they just got rid of them. And Rome, if you did something that Rome didn't like, they were unpleasant, um, <laughs> And so, so we have these Roman roads, we have a common language, and we have uh, peace, which means for easy travel across the nation. 
And so in this intertestamental period, in the, this time of waiting, in this time where God is supposedly silent, we see that he is behind the scenes preparing things, getting everything ready. And so when Jesus comes and he lives and he dies on the cross, he rises again and, you know, and we see him in the, early in the book of Acts, you know, the 3,000 were added to the number and the, the church is born and there's people going out and proclaiming the, the name of Jesus, that the Messiah has arrived. Now, not only are they saying it in Jerusalem, but they can, and we see the multiple missionary journeys of Paul and, and Peter went a different direction, and they go out and they're quickly able to spread the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. This random guy from this little place out in the, in the middle of Palestine, that just one of the thousands of people that, that Rome crucified and killed, he is alive. And he said it was going to happen, and now he's alive again. And they told this story, and so because of Rhodes, because of the language, they were able to communicate it, because of the peace, they were able, to, this gospel spread across the known world in an incredible amount of time. It is shocking. It is amazing. And so as we look at that story, we see that God, he was getting everything ready, right? And so that the gospel could spread quickly. All right, and let's go back to Galatians for a minute, and let's look at why Jesus came. Right? It says that it, uh, but, 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 when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Right? And so the set time, everything is in place. We're ready to go. And he comes to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. That's so powerful. Right? Even in the midst of this waiting and confusion, it seems like God is silent and not doing anything. He is doing the perfect thing. Right? And so he comes through. Right? And we see that Jesus, at just the right time, brings freedom and adoption. Jesus comes to restore us back into perfect, right relationship with the Father. Jesus comes to set us free and the world free and all of creation free from the, the consequences of the fall. He comes to set us free from sin and death and oppression and violence and anger and all this junk that came with the fall. Right? Jesus comes to give us a hope and a future. And, and I, I love the Gospels when Jesus says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Right? The expectation would be like, this place is the worst. Right? Jesus is just going to come and clean house. Right? But Jesus comes and he lays his life down. He doesn't come as a military leader. He doesn't come to overthrow Rome. He doesn't come to tell the Jews how terrible they're doing. Right? He comes to, to reach his hand out to save and to restore his people so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can spread throughout the whole world so that everybody might believe and so that everybody has this opportunity to spend eternity with the Father. And so because of Jesus, we can see the, the fullness of God's love for us. 
Right? That's what the cross proves. The cross proves that God is slow to anger. He is full of mercy and grace. And he is desiring our restoration. Like he wants us back. And he went to the, the utmost extreme by sending his son Jesus to die for us, to, to, to buy us back and to restore us. And this love, you know, it absolutely changed my life. You know, it set me free from fear. I uh, tell this story all the time, right? But before I was saved, I was involved in the, this robbery at gunpoint, and it messed me up. It was very challenging. I had this, the, my, my shrink told me that I had post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was like, isn't that, I, I'm, not, I'm not a soldier, right? Like, I didn't go to battle, right? But he's like, no, it's a real thing, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I was, I didn't like leaving my house. I didn't like going downtown. If a store was about to close, I would not go to a store that was about to close because I had just like made this connection of like, there's probably a robber in there. And, there, you know, and it's like, it doesn't make much sense. But, and so I was in this place. I was very fearful, but God came and restored me, right? And God's love, I believe that God's love saved my marriage, right? From pride and, and selfishness, just helping me to, to learn to, to lay down my own desires and my own needs for somebody else, right? God, through Jesus, revealed that, that love to me. You know, his love gives me hope, right? It gives me hope. You know, we talked uh, in, in worship, we just prayed this morning that we live in this world that is, just seems so full of injustice and difficulty and pain and like, what is going on? God, why don't why don't you come quickly? What is going on? There's children are hungry and their people are dying and it's, this, is, this is a terrible place. Right? God, come. And, and yet the gospel, the love of Jesus, the, the cross of Jesus shows me that this is not how things are supposed to be. Right? And there is a day coming when I am going to set all things right again. And there is hope and there is justice even in the midst of an apparently unjust or obviously unjust world. And this love of, of the, the cross, this reality of Jesus gives me a, a purpose, right? To, I, have, I have purpose for my life. I'm not just hanging out, playing video games, trying to, you know, wait until the end, right? I want people to know that Jesus is real, right? I want to extend his kingdom. I want to be an instrument that brings peace and, and love and, and justice in this world, right? I have a purpose because of the love. I, it gives me peace and joy in the midst of this crazy world that we live in. And this love has brought me into a community of believers, right? Where we can support each other and we can love each other and we can rally around one another. It's so much better than not being in the Christian community. Right? Anyway, it's, anyway, so because of this love revealed in the cross, I have faith in the promise that God says all things are going to work out for those who trust God, right? And so we can believe because of this verse, because of the cross, that God's timing is perfect. And so maybe today you're in a situation where you don't feel that you're ready. You're going to be a parent. Yay, it's exciting, right? Or you've been asked to lead this new project at work or you have a new opportunity in front of you, you know, or God seems to be leading you somewhere, and you're just like, I just don't know. But whatever that something is that is looming about you and that you're feeling nervous, I want you to know that we can see because of the story 
of the, of, the, of the birth of Jesus, the gospel story that God is with you, that he's not going to abandon you, that he has prepared you even for such a time as this. And that as you lean into him and as you trust him, he is going to see you through. Right? Even if, as Psalm 23 says, even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, the sh- valley of the shadow of death, he is with you, right? He is right with you, seeing you through. He is not going to abandon you to the place that he is calling you to. And we can remember that God's timing is perfect in the, if you are feeling that you are ready for the next thing, right? But it seems that God has passed you over, that God has forgotten about you, like that he forgot that maybe that is something that I want to do something different here, God. You know, the Christmas story can remind you that just because you don't see or hear God moving, he has a plan. He is in control. He is putting things in place. And as we trust him and as we serve him, he is going to promote us in his perfect timing. And we don't want to rush into something that he is not bringing us into. So, finally... You are God's beloved son or daughter. We see that here at the end of Galatians 4, or in the middle of Galatians 4, our chapter here. And he wants what is best for you. He has called you his son and his daughter. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. And he has paid the ultimate price to set you free, to bring you into perfect relationship with him, to see you through all the trials and the difficulties of this life because you have a hope and that you have a Savior who loves you. You have a Father who is calling you consistently and constantly into relationship with Him and to come and wants to comfort you. So I encourage you today to trust in Him, to trust in His timing. And as we go into Christmas, as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, let it remind you that, man, God orchestrated this perfectly. And the, and the Jews, and during that time, they were confused and they thought, God, you are crazy. Maybe that's what's going on in our lives too. We're like, God, you've missed it. But maybe, maybe he has everything under control. Amen. Can we pray? So Father God, we love you. God, I thank you for your unfailing love. Lord, that you, uh, at the perfect time, sent Jesus uh, to this earth to become a man, to endure the cross, to pay for our sin and our shame. Lord, and that you have set us free, that you've called us to be your sons and daughters, and by your Spirit we can cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, and I just pray whatever situation we're facing today, Lord, if it's something that we feel that you've forgotten us or abandoned us, or if it's something that, that we, we feel that, uh, that we're, we're ready for this new thing and seems like you have different plans. God, help us to trust you in the midst of every single situation. Lord, we love you. And we just bless your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, friends. Pretty good timing. And uh, we'll have a prayer team. Yes, we do have a prayer team. They're super excited to pray for you. Uh, whatever uh, needs you have whatsoever encourage you to do that. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Uh, There's coffee and donuts and goodness and the crosses in the family room.